Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City. Welcome into another episode of the Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukesiah Mukes. It is a beautiful August 29th morning here in the city. Episode 74 is about to kick off and Aaron, it's over. It's all over, buddy. We do not have to do any more preseason preview games. It's all over. There's no more. Happy days. Happy days indeed. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Although I'm not excited that you normally the last week of preseason, the following week is the regular season. And in this case, we have to wait a whole weekend and then have a whole other week leading up to the season before the season actually kicks off. But hey, college football starts. It started. Pre-week one was last week, but this will be actually week one one of the actual college football season. So excited. You mean, you mean tell me watching Florida state beat an FCS team 47 to 10 is not the actual start of college football. No, it was pre week one. It's like only happening. Part of the teams played. Uh, yeah. Although there was a pretty good Northwestern Nebraska game and, uh, yep. but Georgia, Oregon, Clemson, Georgia tech, real teams come into play this week. Hey, there you go. There you go. And then next week, Obviously, is the big week that we've been waiting for. Uh, the NFL season starts, and I cannot be any more excited um, to get that going, as well as the fans that are listening and watching at home. Um, we've got a great show ahead of us, though. We are doing it's obviously episode 74. We are continuing our season previews with two AFC East rivals in the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we'll be breaking down what their seasons are going to look like, uh, as well as we have morning headlines where we're going to dive into the NFL Top 100. We've got our injury update after all these preseason games. You know there's going to be injuries uh, that come about. Uh, but first, Aaron, I kind of just mentioned it before. Um, you know, there's two, there's two ways I could start this show. And I think I'm going to do one morning headline, and then we're going to get into it. Then we're going to get into the NFL top 100. I, I want to bring this up. The Brian Robinson news. Um, it was reported uh, earlier on, on, on Sunday evening. 
uh, that Brian Robinson, the running, the rookie running back out of uh, Washington, former Alabama running back, um, was reportedly shot multiple times in the lower body in D.C. Um, he was t- obviously rushed to the hospital. Uh, Ron Rivera stopped by and he reported that um, that Brian Robinson is in good spirits, said uh, Brian Robinson said that he'll be back soon doing what he does best. A very scary situation, a very uh, a very close call. Obviously, it could have been much worse. And we are very thankful and happy that it wasn't as bad as it was. Is that a question? No. <laughs> I just, um, that was me that was that was more of like like the the ending of okay like there that's the ending do you have anything and then we'll like yeah i'm not gonna go into the whole like attempted robbery it's something that happened yeah. it's bad we don't know what the circumstances were behind it obviously it sucks for brian robinson in a situation like that for any professional athlete to have to deal with something like that we don't know if he was targeted we don't know anything we don't know any details so i'll just kind of leave that alone yeah. but it does definitely changes the landscape of some some NFL talk. When we talk about the Washington Commanders, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now, where Antonio Gibson had seemed to be kind of on the in the doghouse of Ron Rivera, and now you have an incident where the guy that was going to fill those shoes is injured. Um, I don't yeah. imagine he'll be playing anytime soon. If you've been shot in your lower extremities, I'm assuming it's legs. Um, that is still going to take time before he can get back on the field. And uh, again, despite I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but this is an opportunity for Antonio Gibson yeah. to turn his job back. I guess you can say we don't really know if his job was taken away, but this is an opportunity for him to go out and say, okay, this is my backfield again. And I have something to prove. So uh, yeah. we'll see what he does with that opportunity. He probably will get the start week one. I imagine Robinson's going to miss a couple of weeks, maybe even more depending on the severity. Yeah. Um, and then you still only have the guys like JD McKissick and Jared Patterson who we've seen before. So um, from a football standpoint, I think this will help Antonio Gibson try to get back on track. Maybe it gives him a little confidence saying, okay, this is my shot. But from Brian Robinson's perspective that, you know, it sucks, bad timing, um, just, you know, an unfortunate circumstance. And we, again, we don't know the details behind it, but whatever the reasons, uh, it was not necessary. It was uncalled for. Yeah, no, no doubt for sure. And it was, it was reported that it was a, it was an attempted carjacking, um, that's what it was reported as like the incident. Um, but definitely a situation that could have been much worse. And we're happy to, um, say that it's, it wasn't as bad as it could have been with Brian Robinson. We hope to see him back on the field, uh, very soon. Um, but Aaron, let's do it. Let's get into it, man. The NFL top 100 has come to a close. We have gotten 20 through number one, and it started off with J.C. Jackson at number 20. Uh, This 20 through 11 featured uh, the final rookie and Micah Parsons at number 16 and a very questionable number 13 in Josh Allen uh, that I want to talk about after I reveal Number 10 through number one, Travis Kelsey at number 10, Jalen Ramsey at nine, Patrick Mahomes at eight, and all the way down, skipping all the way down, I should say, to the top three, it's Aaron Rodgers at three, Aaron Donald at two, and once again, Tom Brady taking the number one spot as the number one player in the NFL. I believe it was for the fifth time uh, that he has become the number one player in the NFL um, for as the top 100. Aaron I wanted to start off with the Josh Allen at number 13 spot here because I, I don't, I don't agree with it. This is where I have a problem. 
I think Josh Allen should have been higher. I think he should have been in the top 10 for what he did last season. Um, you and I, you, we've talked about it on this show that Jalen Ramsey last year might not have had the best of years. There were, there were times where his coverage skills were not the best. He's still the best corner in the back in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, but I would swap Jalen Ramsey and Patrick or not Patrick Mose, Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen. What do you think about that? I would not. Um, I'm actually okay with Josh Allen at 13. Um, Josh Allen didn't have that great of a year. I mean, he was great, but he had 36 touchdowns, 50 through 15 picks, which was a lot more than, you know, those other quarterbacks that are up there. Um, I think this is what happens when you start trying to compare positions. Um, there's no way to quantify how good a defensive back really yeah. played. You can look at interception numbers. You can go to pff.com since every viewer likes to go to PFF and take every measurable and think it's something special and weighted and all that stuff. But there's no real way to actually, unless you're studying game tape, unless you're actually watching these guys on the field, there's no real way to comprehensively quantify how impactful Jalen Ramsey is on defense, how that makes offenses go to a different direction, Mm -hmm. how they run a scheme. Um, Yes, I did criticize Jalen Ramsey for getting beat at times last year, but let's be honest, Trayvon Diggs was, was pretty high up on this list and he got beat a ton last year, but he also had so many picks that people, he stood out to people. So yeah, um, I actually don't have a problem with one through 10 um, except for one spot. And I'll, I'll say it. Um, Tom Brady should not be ahead of Aaron Donald. And I think I agree with that. That is the only thing that I think, should be switched or, I mean, you could debate some of the others, maybe one spot back, but I really do believe Aaron Donald should have been the number one player on this list. And I feel like this, the players gave Tom Brady kind of a lifetime achievement winning this year. Like he had a great year. Don't get me wrong. But the last time we watched him play, he was losing to Aaron Donald. As a matter of fact, they were getting blown out in the first half by an Aaron Donald Rams defense uh, before they charged late and try to make a comeback. And then Aaron Donald went to go make the two biggest plays in the, in the season for the, for the Rams to win the Super Bowl, So yeah. um, I know it's hard again to quantify quarterbacks compared to defensive tackles, but I said this last year and I'll say it again, Aaron Donald is the second greatest defensive player that we have ever seen. And these, the best defensive interior defensive lineman that has ever played the game. And I will debate anybody on that outside of Lawrence Taylor. There is nobody on the defensive side of the football that has changed their position the way that Aaron Donald has kind of changed the way the defensive tackle position can be played when you have a talent like he does. So uh, I thought he should have been number one. Uh, but again, I do understand it's a quarterback league and Tom Brady and he's got seven rings and yeah, five, I think, but I thought it was Aaron Donald one and Tom Brady two or three. I think the way the season ended with Aaron Donald finally getting his ring and like this, the way everything played out, that's why I would have had Aaron Donald at number one. I think that he basically, I don't want to say he willed his team to the Super Bowl because obviously the Rams had so much talent, um, but he was the driving force into that team winning the Super Bowl. And again, I think there is that, not bias, but there is that obvious way that you said this, there's no way to, to, there's no way to, to factor like, what what was the word quantify, quantify. yeah there's no the way to quantify lineman has compared to a quarterback because the quarterback's numbers are always going to stand out more yeah but there's nobody that has more sacks in since 20 what 16 there's nobody that has more quarterback pressures since 2014 or 2015 whatever year it was 
this dude, and he does it from a position that those things aren't supposed to happen. In the NFL, yeah. interior defensive linemen are not supposed to be able to do that. It's supposed to be these edge rush guys like the TJ Watts and, and those guys. And in, in today's NFL, we're seeing Aaron Donald, who's undersized, who said he wouldn't be what he is in the NFL today because of his size, and he's dominant. The best defensive player in the NFL, year in, year out, makes all pro, first team all pro every year. Uh, something we've never seen before. I just thought he should have been the clear number one and Brady Rogers and them could have fought over it uh, for two and three. And, but I get it again, to me, it's a lifetime achievement award for Brady. Yeah. And you know how we were, we really were looking into this um, with the fact that it started off hot with Mac Jones being at 85. And in just a second, I want to go into the rest of the top, the rest of the quarterbacks, just to kind of put a kibosh on that. I do just want to give a shout out though, to our chat. We are actually live recording this. Normally we go, normally we put out our episodes at 10 AM Eastern time on YouTube um, at Saxony podcast on YouTube, obviously. Uh, but we decided, you know what we want to see what the reactions are uh, from fans in regards to this top 100 and maybe the rest of our show, see how this goes. Uh, special shout out to Havoc 69, 27 bringing up the Malik Willis thing or the Malik Willis talk. We've been very high on Malik Willis during preseason. And I think I agree with this comment that he drops in here talking about Malik Willis looking better than Trey Lance in preseason. It's just preseason, but I still think it's worth noting. I'm not going to say he's looked better than Trey Lance. I, Oh, I, I think he has. I think he has, I, but you could, you could factor that into who he's played against. That's fine. What do you mean who but, he's played against? No, I'm not factoring that into who he's played against. I Malik, mean, I'm saying who Malik Willis has played against. He's he has played mostly his time against against second string and 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 that Trey Lance has not had that a bit that uh luxury. I'm just not sure where the, the whether he's played better. Trey Lance had one struggling game. So did Malik Willis. Trey Lance went four for five, 92 yards, a touchdown his first game. Like he played what 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 is what has Trey Lance done to show that he's played bad? I, I don't think that I don't think that it's saying that he's played bad. I think it's more of a, a compliment to what Malik Willis has done in the preseason. And you and I have talked about this well, about Malik Willis's performance in the preseason. So I mean, you can't go be back. Fair, over. Malik Willis has I agree. I agree. Malik Willis has played far beyond what I thought he would. But we have to remember Trey Lance has only played. I mean, he's played significantly less snaps. The first game he only yeah. played one series and then he had the one game that he came in and played this this last week where he did struggle a little bit but Malik Willis has had way more opportunities and there have been times where he struggled as well seven for 17 for whatever yards he threw that was not a good game for Malik Willis he's had moments just like Trey Lance but I would say his sample size is a, a lot bigger so he's had a lot more opportunities that's I mean that 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 is fair to say but I do think it is still fair to say that he has played that we have, I've, I've definitely enjoyed watching Malik Willis play this preseason. Um, I did yeah. want to just shout out Havoc in the chat, though, and anyone else that is watching, uh, please join in, uh, comment, leave us your comments, your your questions, your thoughts on what we have uh, going on on the show today. Um, we're going to go back into our morning headlines. And uh, the Miami Dolphins last week, obviously, we talked about it in our morning headlines that they were uh, – that they brought in Trey Flowers, um, and now they have officially signed Trey Flowers, the former Detroit Lion and New England Patriot, um, to a one-year deal, a little show-me deal for Trey Flowers, who's still, again, we talked about he's only 29 years old, so he still has a chance to prove it this year and then be able to make something out of his, the rest of his career. And um, it could be with the Miami Dolphins. We're going to talk about them uh, later on in the show 
<sighs> Aaron, here we go. Let's do this. You ready? I'm always ready. The former Buffalo Bills punter, Matt Ariza, uh, had the the obvious scandal pop up, and I, I don't want to get into the details of it. He's done some very despicable, very he's been been accused sorry been accused of some very despicable things and the buffalo bills came out on saturday and said hey this is bigger than football and they released matt ariza the punter um amidst this whole allegations and what's going on with him um you talked to me over the weekend about this and you said that you had something on your mind in regards to this so let the fans hear it Yeah, it really doesn't have anything to do with football, but this is what I talk about all the time um, about these guys who I don't want to say they're entitled, but they have everything going their way. They're in fortunate circumstances where people work their entire lives to get opportunities and then something comes out and it's as a result of something you did when you were in college or high school or whatever. And this is what, again, this more hits me because I am a parent, I guess. And I always talk to my kids about choices and the choices you make now can affect your future, regardless of what you think. Oh, I'm just a kid. It won't matter. Um, Your choices do have consequences. And the fact of the matter is, is regardless of whether he's guilty of the actual crime of being involved in it, um, doesn't change the circumstances that he was present in a situation that he shouldn't have been present in and therefore made a bad decision in not removing himself from a situation that wasn't um, appropriate. So I have no sympathy for guys like this. I have no sympathy for any of these guys in the NFL, in the Major League Baseball, or in the NBA that put themselves in situations. I don't care your background, your creed, your color, where you come from. I don't care. I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel sorry for you. I don't care what your circumstances were. If you don't make good choices in life, you are going to find yourself in bad situations, and that's where he's at. And he just had a opportunity to be an NFL player and that opportunity is likely gone now um am I saying you'll never get another shot who knows we've seen guys come back obviously Deshaun Watson things guys like that have gotten opportunities if you're super talented but he is a punter let's be honest and the NFL is a business and are you going to shape your franchise around a punter probably not so in that circumstance good luck finding another job so um it's disappointing because I was excited to see him punt I mean, yeah. he, has a, he has a monster of a leg, but I don't feel sorry for him. No. He's got to figure out his uh, the outside stuff and, you know, maybe he can, you know, make make amends or whatever it is that he needs to do and find his way back. But uh, it, it, look, it just is disappointing to constantly see professional athletes that have situations come up um, because they don't know how to be in certain situations or handle certain pressures or situations or not be smart enough to make good choices. It's sad. It's unfortunate. But I do not feel sorry for him. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. It's all about life choices and you put yourself in these situations. And I mean, if you do it, you put yourself in these situations, you're going to end up getting burned eventually. Um, and like you said, he is a punter. This is like, I've seen people like starting to try and compare this situation to Deshaun Watson. And, and one, these allegations are much more serious than what Deshaun Watson's allegations are. Like this is, this is some real serious shit. Although Sean Watson's was very, was serious, but, um, and then also the fact that, he is a punter. He is a rookie. 
He is he's expendable at this point. There is no investment in him to say, okay, like let's risk our the look of our franchise on a punter. It doesn't make it's a business. Sense. It's a business. Yeah. And if an employee yeah. is expendable and he's yeah. not going to bring your the return on that investment is not going to be very much, then you can get rid of a guy like that. It's not the same as a quarterback. And despite what we may feel about Deshaun Watson, they are not the same person and not the same player. And that's just the world we live in. If Deshaun Watson can make the Cleveland Browns money, he's going to be on the field. And if, and I'm sorry, but Matareza is not selling tickets. Matareza's jerseys are not going to be flying off the shelves. So um, that is a big deal. That's what matters here. And um, like I said, it's, I, I don't, it, it is what it is. He's a rookie. He's probably yep. done in the NFL. Yep. Agreed. Um, that does it though for our, our morning headlines. And of course, our morning headlines is brought to you by Manscapes Body Wash. Their daily shower gel is infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling so fresh and so clean, clean, and well, moisturized. Get your body wash, your Manscaped body wash today at manscaped.com. And please use that promo code SAC City at checkout to save yourself 20% off and free shipping. Aaron, let's get into our injury report. Hit it with us. Yeah, if you were watching Sunday's final preseason game, you probably had a little, little gasp, a little, a little worrisome uh, moment there when Deontay Johnson left with a shoulder injury and TJ Watt with a knee injury. Uh, they both left preseason finale. Mike Tomlin did come out at halftime and say they both would be able to, to play if it was a regular season game. So maybe not too much to be worried about there. You never like to see those guys go down, but uh, something to keep an eye on as we head into week one, make sure those there aren't any lingering effects there. Uh, if you were watching the Giants and Jets game before that, Tyrod Taylor took a hit and was carted off um, after being hit by Michael Clemens. He did not return as well. Uh, I guess that's good news for Daniel Jones. He doesn't have really a threat behind him right now. Um, it looked like he was going to start anyways, obviously, because Tyrod was starting in this preseason finale. But just something to keep an eye on there for the Giants backup quarterback situation. Uh, B.C. Johnson, torn ACL out for the year for the Vikings. Um, this is what we kind of dread all preseason and offseason is these guys with season-ending injuries, those ACLs, those Achilles. It's always tough. B.C. Johnson's a young player. He started to kind of develop a little bit, and I think they want, kind of wanted to use him as that fourth guy in Minnesota outside of a K.J. Osborne, uh, Adam Thielen, and a Justin Jefferson. So um, tough break there. And then Trevor Penning, another tough break for the Saints. He hadn't slid into the starting role yet, but he was kind of on his way to working in um, to some of those first team reps, torn ligament in his foot. He's going to need surgery. Obviously we talked about those foot injuries with a big body lineman like that. Those can linger. He's going to be out indefinitely uh, big blow to the saints there in their first round pick. And then Sam Darnold uh, lost his starting job to Baker Mayfield now out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. They already lost Matt Corral um, with the, with his injury and that Liz Frank injury. And now they have, here comes that guy, Baker Mayfield, and then um, P.J. Walker, baby, yeah, P.J. Walker. Those two guys are, are there. P.J. Walker just keeps dodging bullets, staying on rosters because guys can't stay healthy. So um, they'll have to get that situation, that backup situation worked out. But Baker Mayfield's the guy right now anyways. And uh, that should do it for the injuries, barring any practice injuries over the next couple of weeks. Um, obviously, it does happen, but not as much as when there's game situations. And then obviously look for cut down day as of Tuesday when they got to cut the rosters down to 53, that'll be a 
big day where you'll see some surprising names on the on the list that are cut and we'll dive into all of that next week oh yeah oh yeah you don't want to be anywhere else but right here at the sac city podcast and be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at the sac city pod on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and of course of course cannot forget about the tickety talk where we are out giving special exclusive content to you beautiful people at home uh and we appreciate everyone for supporting us be sure to like and subscribe all of our social media pages uh at sac city pod and don't don't forget if you like what you see let us know leave some comments start interacting with everybody and also share 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 we do this podcast for free we do not get paid for this. So your support is what really we thrive on. So please uh, drop your comments and please share the show uh, at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Are we not playing the video? If you want a commercial break? I guess we're going to go into the Patriots in just a moment. This season preview is brought to you by Manscaped's brand new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. This luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step. Using coconut water, green tea, and aloe, this non-greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair. So head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SACCITY for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. It's time to dive into the New England Patriots season preview. You already see it in Aaron's background. It's Mac Jones. It's Bill Belichick. We're going to be talking about them, their offense, the defense, what to watch for. We've got schedule predictions. We've got odds. We've got prop bets. And, of course, the Sac City preseason power rankings, which are really starting to fill out. Aaron, there is only one place to start when we're talking the New England Patriots. We have two teams that we are controversially uh, viewed on on YouTube for. It's the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots for some chatter about Mac Jones that you have been strongly behind. And we're going to start right there. You've been pretty negative on Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. What does Mac Jones have to do this season to make you think differently and maybe reiterate your stance on Mac Jones before you get into that. Well, I mean, I don't plan on reiterating my stance on Mac Jones. Cause I don't really think it's about Mac Jones. I mean, I, I, Mac Jones, I told you guys, I never thought he would be a franchise guy. I thought he could come in the NFL and he can play or whatever, but I never looked at him and was like, Oh, that's a franchise quarterback. He played at Alabama. They always have talent there. It's easy to put up numbers there. And he did it. He put up a lot of good numbers there. But we watched a team last year in the New England Patriots that didn't trust a young quarterback. And in the NFL in today's game, I get it. They wanted to run the ball and play good defense. And you know what that did? That got them 10 wins, a trip to the playoffs, and then they got their ass whooped by the Buffalo Bills because they didn't have a quarterback that can go out, make throws, and win games. I'm not saying Mac Jones isn't accurate because he is, but he's not mobile. And what that what that does in today's NFL, he is a basically a statue back there. So he has to beat you with his arm. There are very few quarterbacks in the NFL right now that just stand back there and beat you with their arm. The guys that do it, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Matt Stafford. It's Tom Brady. It's the guys that have been in the league for 10, 12 years that have been balling out, that understand how to read defenses and that their coach trusts. Bill Belichick did not trust Matt Jones. It, it, I mean, it's as simple as that. He, he did not trust him. There was a game where he threw the ball two times. 
I don't care. In, the, in today's NFL, that does not happen. I don't care how windy it is. I don't care if it's raining. And they won the game. They they actually won that game. But it told me all I needed to know about Mac Jones, which was they did not trust him to go and win games. And when he needed to in the playoffs, you saw what happened. He could not keep up with Josh Allen and that Bills offense. And don't get me wrong. He doesn't have the weapons. The defense is going to be weaker this year than it was last year. The offensive line isn't as good. This team right now, the reason people are, are getting upset at me on YouTube is because they are living off of the Patriots of the past. What Belichick has done before, the genius of Belichick. I'm sorry, guys. He doesn't have Tom Brady. Tom Brady has now proven he went to a different team and won. Bill Belichick no longer has Tom Brady. It's not the same team. It's not the same team. So from a Matt Jones perspective, he has to find ways to beat teams with his arm. I don't know that he has the weapons to do it. And unfortunately, I don't think that's his game. I think he's a game manager in the NFL. And unfortunately, that's not going to work with their team. I think with this season and, and then particularly with Mac Jones to kind of prove it to everybody here, may, I, or I guess I should say prove it to the non-believers. You have to see him go out. Like we said, it. we said it's similar to what we've said with like Trevor Lawrence. Like you have to go out and maybe it's a little bit different for Mac Jones here because of the level of where we think the Patriots should be. Mac Jones should be winning you games. That's where Mac Jones should be at here with this Patriots team. I get it. He doesn't have the talent around him, but the way this Patriots team is set up with, with Bill Belichick, like that's what you need from Mac Jones. You need to start seeing him win football games for them and not having, he, there was two games last season where he didn't even throw 20 passes. And guess what? They won both of those. And like you said, Aaron, it's it, that, that shows you enough that this new England Patriots team doesn't necessarily need Mac Jones to win those games in the regular season, which means, which kind of signifies to me, like Bill Belichick is going to keep, might keep doing that during the regular season where it's like, we're not going to need, we're gonna, not going to force Mac Jones to win us games. If he doesn't go out, if he doesn't throw that much, you can't afford to do that though. It, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's going to end up costing them in the end because we're going to see another season where, I mean, I saw the playoff odds. We have our prop bets coming up in a little bit, but the playoff odds for the New England Patriots, I'm pretty sure it's plus money to take the Patriots going uh, to make the playoffs. It's they're at plus 160 to make the playoffs. So it's the, 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 the odds right now are not in favor of the Patriots even making the playoffs this year. So if they, if, if they want any team, if they want any chance to make the playoffs and we're talking about that offense right now, it runs through that offense. You have to have that offense step up. If you want to change those odds and you want to make the playoffs, especially in this ridiculously tough AFC. Now, not to mention in a much tougher AFC East with the jets growing, the dolphins getting much better and the cream of the crop, the Buffalo bills. They're arguably the the 12th, best team in the AFC. And I'm not joking about that. Like argue, you can argue that they're the 12th best team in the AFC, every team in the AFC West, every team in the AFC North, maybe you can argue Pittsburgh, but even then in, right now from a Indianapolis, then you have Indianapolis and then you go to the AFC East and you have the Miami dolphins and the Buffalo bills. And that's not even putting the jets up there. So they are arguably a bottom four to five team 
in six, whatever, bottom six team in their own conference. Let's just say they, that. They, yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. They're not even in the top 10 of the of the best AFC teams uh, in the league. And, and it's it's a – I was wanted... so impressed with Mac Jones last year. 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks. He had a QBR that was middle of the pack. He was – QBR was behind Carson Wentz. Was behind Ryan Tannehill. He, he, it was, and those are guys we made fun of behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, like, I don't know why people were so obsessed with Mac Jones. And I get it; they went on that win streak, but that win streak wasn't that impressive. It, it really wasn't. And so, I don't know. We talked about the Miami Dolphins win streak. How oh they didn't beat anybody. Oh they didn't do this. They didn't do that. Mac Jones was doing the same thing, taking advantage yeah. of his defense running game, winning games that he should win. And then they got the Buffalo game when it was stupid windy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this, it, this season. I mean, we're going to talk about what to watch for in a little bit, but spoiler alert, it's going to be this offense and it's going to be a revolving around Mac Jones and figuring out a way for him to be able to step up and go win them games. Um, well, actually that might not be a spoiler alert. I just realized I have you doing the what to watch for. So maybe, maybe you have something different. Um, Let's go over to the defense side of the ball. We know what the defense is. We know what the defense has been. They obviously lost JC Jackson this past offseason, which is a big blow to their secondary. Aaron, what do you expect to see from this defense this year? Yeah, I think they'll be good because I think that's Belichick's specialty, but they're definitely not as talented as they used to be, right? Losing a, a lockdown corner like JC Jackson hurts, um, not having some of those players, the Kyle Van Oys when he left and you know, some of those veterans there are gone. Obviously, Matt Judon and, th- and those guys are good. Christian Barmore played really well last year, I thought. The defense will be good because Belichick always has a pretty solid defense. But that defense is going to be on the field a lot because they don't have explosive playmakers. And they're going to have to hold teams down far more than they would like to. And I think that's going to be the ultimate problem is can this defense hold up for 17 games when their offense isn't producing the high volume of points that they're going to need to be doing, especially in the AFC with all these potent offenses. It's not just good teams in the AFC. It's the chiefs and the chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos all have elite quarterbacks and great offensive weapons. And then you throw in the NFC North or AFC North. Those guys have elite offenses with elite quarterbacks. That's the problem is those guys are going to find ways to score points against you. Your defense can't hold up against them all the time. So how is Mac Jones going to answer that? So that defense has to be off the field. That is the only way this defense is going to be putting up those top 10 defensive numbers that we're used to that, excuse me, that we're used to seeing from new England. Yeah. I mean, this is, do you think that they can hold long enough to like keep the pay? Like that was one of the things last year. I feel like we, we saw a lot too, especially during their win streak, like you mentioned before, their defense kind of holding it all together when you're facing these and we're going to go into the schedule in just a few moments, but like when you're facing some of the teams that they have on their schedule, I mean, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy just to hold off those high powered offenses. You can say just about every, just about every team in the AFC this year upgraded their offense. I'd say like, Jackson, even the shitty team like Jacksonville upgraded their offense, Houston upgraded their offense. Then you look at the big dogs who actually really upgraded their offense in Kansas City, Denver, um, those guys. I mean, it's it's going to be hard. It is going to be very hard for this New England Patriots defense to be good. Now, you said that it's kind of been their specialty, obviously, with the Bill Belichick era. Their defense has been their go to. Where do you think they fall at the end of the season in terms of rankings? Middle of the pack. 
Um, you know, last year they were number two scoring defense in the NFL. A lot of that had to do with that pass defense. They only gave up 187 yards passing a game. And a lot of that had to do with JC Jackson. Um, they've never been a real a team that's really gets to the quarterback a lot, right? They just play really, really good sound football. I think that stays the same, but they weren't very good against the run last year. I don't think they got better against the run. And then now they've fallen off a little bit against the pass. Um, I think they'll finish middle of the pack. And if you're uh, points wise, you know, somewhere along the lines of 22, 23 points a game, maybe giving up, maybe, maybe 21. And then when you're talking about yards total given up, um, it could vary. I, I think they could end up being give up 320, 330 yards a game. And I think that's going to be middle of the pack. Yeah, I can see that. Especially again, you go back to the, the the all the offenses in this AFC and and on their it, the Patriots schedule. It's not going to be easy to go up against these guys, um, especially if you have to play the Bills twice and then you have to play the Dolphins twice. I mean, those are that's four games right there against very high powered offenses. Obviously, we haven't seen what what the Dolphins offense is going to fully look like. We'll dive into that in a little bit, but it's going to be well, tough. I mean, they forty eight in preseason. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so with that being said, what are you watching for this year for the New England Patriots? What's the one thing? <laughs> this is going to be so off base. This is going to be so far different than what we've done in the past with this what to watch for segment. What I'm actually watching for with the New England Patriots this year is their fans. I want their fans to just be realistic and come to the realization that this is not the New England Patriots from 20, 2000 to 2020. Like, it's not the same team. There is no more Tom Brady. He's gone. Bel Belichick is there, but this is not the same New England Patriots team. So those expectations that we have of the Patriots and that mindset that we have of like, oh, my God, they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. We have to eliminate that. As a Patriots fan, you have to sit down and just be realistic and look at that roster and you tell me how that stacks up to 20 other teams in the NFL. And I guarantee if you're looking at it position by position, it doesn't stack up. So um, I, I, I'm looking for their fans to get off of the seven championships or six championships that they won in that time frame and, and just be realistic. So we don't have to have these midseason conversations when they go out and win three games in a row that the Patriots are Super Bowl contenders like mm -hmm. we said last year. Because the minute Mac Jones went on that win streak, everybody, all NFL analysts on every platform you can think of started to mention their name as AFC championship and Super Bowl contenders. And I thought it was laughable then. And then when you watch the playoff game, everybody knew it was laughable because they did not belong on the same field as the Buffalo Bills. I thought it was laughable when ESPN, AJ said it in our group chat, ESPN was talking about Mac Jones being an MVP candidate or a Super Bowl MVP candidate or something along those lines. And they were, I guess they were basing it off of like the other the other rookie quarterbacks in that draft and like which one will be the soonest. But like, I don't want to hear Mac Jones's name ever with the MVP conversation. Okay, I'm going to do a lot more than 22 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and a 10-7 exactly. record. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's get into our prop bets. And then we have Mac Jones, of course, listed on our Patriots prop bets, but we do also have a lot of plus money here. Under eight and a half wins for the Patriots is at plus 100. Under 23 and a half Mac Jones passing touchdowns is at plus 105. And, un and over eight and a half rushing touchdowns for Damian Harris is at plus 100. Uh, we haven't really mentioned Damian Harris's name, and he obviously was a big part of that offense last year with 15 touchdowns 
um, for this team and really, really just leading the way. Um, so, Aaron, which lock is yours on this uh, Patriots profit list? Yeah, I'll take Damian Harris in the over eight and a half touchdowns. I do think he's going to get in the end zone a number of times, despite them saying they want to throw the ball more. I think they're a run first football team built on play action. And hopefully that can disguise some things or route scheme some things up to get guys open because you're not going to find Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar winning one-on-one matchups consistently. Uh, Jacoby Myers is decent, but he's not a playmaker like that. The only playmaker they really have on the outside is Devonte Parker. And he seems to be injured every other game. So if he can stay healthy, that'll help them significantly adding in the tight ends of Hunter Henry and John Hunter Henry and John Smith. But uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are going to be the guys that they're going to lean heavily on, when, especially when they get around that red zone. You'll see Hunter Henry in the red zone. But I, I think Damian Harris gets more than eight and a half touchdowns, probably slated for about 10 this year. Okay. That's, uh, it's obviously, in, in terms of fantasy purposes, that's touchdown regression, but still very, very good year for touchdowns if you're, if you're at or, or around that number. Um, with the schedule for the New England Patriots, it looks like this. A lot of tough matchups here. You look Miami, oh, the division matchups twice a year. Um, and then you've got Baltimore, Green Bay. You've got Indianapolis. I mean, they have a lot of tough games on the schedule. What games are the – and this is this is actually a new question I've, I've posed to you for schedule. What are the must-win games for the New England Patriots this year, looking at their schedule? Which games do they have to win? Um, um, they – Did I well, they have to beat every team. That, that's not a real question I can answer. I mean, the back half of their schedule is like an impossible schedule. Yeah. Like, that, that schedule is tough. That From the Minnesota Vikings through the Buffalo Bills, that week, what, 11 – or 12, yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah. yeah, 12 to 18 to go at Minnesota, Buffalo, Arizona, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills. Good luck. Um, and they're, not at, they're on the road for those games. They're, they're at Arizona, at Vegas, at Buffalo, at Minnesota. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck down that stretch because they're probably, I'll tell you right now, I have them winning games early. I have them starting five and three. Um, getting off to a good start, but then that back half is just too much for them. I only have them beating the Jets, and then I do have them beating the Dolphins at home. Um, but that stretch between Minnesota and Cincinnati and then Buffalo at the end of the season, it's brutal, man. And it's not – those are just more talent to teams than than the New England Patriots. So can they steal one? Perhaps. Can they steal a couple? Maybe. But even if they steal a couple of those games, I'll give my record now. I have them going 7-10. and 10. If they steal a couple, they're nine and eight. Like yeah. that's at best. And I'm telling you, that's at best. Last year they were 10 and seven. It's still a step backwards. And then again, having to go, even if they snuck into the playoffs. And again, I'm giving them credit. Say you sneak into the playoffs. <laughs> Are you beating Baltimore? Are you beating Buffalo? Are you beating Cincinnati, Kansas City, the Chargers, Denver? No. Indianapolis? No. Patriot fans are not going to like hearing that, but it's the truth. And it's going to be, it would be tough. Anything is, you can go to the old saying, anything is possible, but it is going to be tough. I also uh, have them at a seven and 10 record here. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, it's just that, that end of the schedule is. I mean, they're lucky Deshaun Watson got suspended six games or whatever, 11 games. 11 games, yeah. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been tough. I mean, even even with the the front half of the schedule, I mean, is it is it crazy to say Pittsburgh can beat them at home they, there? And the Patriots two? could be zero and four going to Detroit. 
or playing against yeah. Detroit at home. They could. Exactly. Exactly. They could be 0-4 going up against Detroit, and then they could they could win against Detroit, win against Cleveland, win against Chicago. The New York Jets isn't a gimme game at week in week eight at New York. I mean, obviously even, those even then, four and four, you give them four and four, what then good luck down the stretch. Yeah, it's it's not a favorable. It's like even if Patriots fans want to say they have a good team, this schedule is extremely tough for you guys to get through with a team that you have to be honest with yourself is not better than a lot of these teams. So it's going to be tough for the New England Patriots. You and I both have them at seven and ten. Let's reveal where we have them in our preseason power rankings. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, again, Mac Jones just being kind of a middle of the road guy. Um, the defense, the running game, but the lack of explosiveness on the outside keeps this team from reaching any kind of heights um, beyond anything else. So uh, I have them around there and we got them as a consensus around 22. So they are number 22 to start the season. Could that change? Could they go up with a good start? Absolutely. But preseason, we are concerned about the new England Patriots and how they're going to overcome some of those deficiencies and some of those lack of the lack of offense. And they fall at number 22 on the sex city preseason power rankings. It's very funny how we have them falling right around that Tennessee Titans range where it's just like those teams that, on that's pay, the same like, thing we said about Tennessee, right? Yep. Yep. And everybody, everyone's all high and mighty, not high and mighty, but like they're much higher on those two teams. And we just, we're got to be honest. You got to be honest with your, your, your thoughts on these teams. And can anybody really envision the Tennessee Titans or the new England Patriots winning or going to a Super Bowl this season with the rosters a, they have? Not there is no chance in hell. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet my left testicle on that one. They would not do that. I don't think anybody would take that bet. I I wouldn't take that bet either. I wouldn't want my left testicle even if they did make it. So, um, (laughs) but that's where the Patriots fall on our preseason power rankings. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins and their season outlook here, going through the offense, the defense, what to watch for. We've got odds. We've got so much to talk about with the Miami Dolphins, but can't start anywhere else but the offense and the newly acquired Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle still there Tua stepping up into another year. Aaron, Mike McDaniel's coming in there. Aaron, give me a little X's and O's here. Give me some, give me some real deep analysis on what you think the identity of this offense will truly be in 2022. Uh, I think it's easy. I think it's about big plays and getting it to guys in space. Um, there's a reason why they stacked the team the way they did. You look at the pieces they brought in. Tyree Kill already had a Jalen Waddle. Cedric Wilson, they went and signed. Chase Edmonds, Marheem Mostert, those are all guys with speed, really, really good in space, can move. And we're talking, again, punt returners. Uh, Chase Edmonds was like kind of that scat back, out of the backfield type offensive threat in Arizona. Uh, Raheem Mostert, obviously, we know his speed when he's been healthy. They wanted speed on the field. People want to talk about Tua's lack of ability to throw the ball down the field. Well, that's okay, even if people feel that way. And I don't believe that's the case. But even if people feel that way, when you get the ball to Tyreek Hill on a a three-yard hitch and he's running for 80 yards, then who cares if Tua can throw it 75 yards down the field or whatever it is. Jalen Waddle, the same thing. The speed, the elusiveness of the guys that they brought in is designed to build explosiveness on offense. And that's what they're going to do. It's going to be geared towards 
explosive plays on offense, and we already know what the defense is about. They have a really good defense. The secondary is one of the best secondaries in football. When you talk about top-to-bottom personnel with Javon Holland and Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, like those dudes are, are a problem back there. And then the only thing we've worried about really is their ability to get to the quarterback, so they go out and get veterans like Melvin Ingram that who made a difference last year. Um, when he went to Kansas city, Emmanuel Ogba is now back. Christian Wilkins is there. Jalen Phillips is now another year in how, how does he kind of progress? If they can get pressure on the quarterback, it makes that secondary even better, but there's no, I don't think there's a debate. This offense is 10 times better than it has been over the past couple of seasons with the offensive weapons that they have. And I didn't even mention a tight end like Mike Kosicki, who's really, really good, but it might actually take a back seat in this offense because of the other weapons that they have on the field uh, with Tyree Kill, Cedric Wilson, and Jalen Waddle. Oh, we know you don't like Tua. You and everybody. No, 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 no. That wasn't what I was going to get into. Really, I have my cat through the green screen. Got to do PETA shit over here. Um, but I like the – you actually brought up Cedric Wilson – and I always forget that they actually signed him. And I think he's going to be a, uh, an underrated part of this offense, um, even though they have Tyreek Hill and even though they have Jalen Waddle there. Um, I mean, you're right. It's going to be an explode. They're going to be looking for that explosive type of offense under Mike McDaniels. I think that's where, that's where the big thing comes from. Um, think about, think about what Mike McDaniels was able to do with the 49ers offense. And I'm sorry. Are we going to tell me that, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle are that much better than Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and how, Mike how much? How much are you giving the like Tua versus Jimmy G? Oh, I take Tua in a heartbeat over Jimmy G. In a heartbeat, okay. we're talking about a guy like I think people forget how good Tua was in college. No, I don't forget how good he was like, in college, and not just and not I just from it. the standpoint of his ability to throw the football, but he was accurate. He was consistent. And he was one of the best deep ball throwers in college football that we had, that some people had talked about that had ever seen his deep ball accuracy being that good. And then all of a sudden he comes in hurt, struggles a little bit, even though he was winning football games, which people seem to forget. And we laud Jimmy Garoppolo for winning football. And we talk about, Oh, but he's winning. He's winning. He's winning. But two, it doesn't. It's like, well, he doesn't look like a franchise quarterback. Meanwhile, on the other hand, we get, and I'm not comparing the two because I do think Justin Herbert's better, but Justin Herbert's out there slanging the ball all over the field, looking like a superstar quarterback. And guess what? He can't get into the playoffs. He's not even, he doesn't have a winning record. He's 500. Meanwhile, two is what, 15 and eight or 13 and eight as a starting quarterback. So yeah. I'm just saying pump the brakes on the two of hate. He's, I don't think he'll ever get to the status of a, what I think Justin Herbert can get to, but I think he can be a very good quarterback. Um, Matt Ryan-esque. Uh, oh, but I was just about get out of my head. I was about to put I was about to put you on the spot and get see if you could peg where what range, like what's what it, it, at Tua at his best, what quarterback present day are you looking at? Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers type quarterback. And those okay. dudes put up numbers and that when they progressed throughout their career, they started to throw the ball more. And when they got weapons, they were very, very effective. And yes, it did not turn into Super Bowl rings. It did not. But Matt Ryan was an MVP. 
It turned Phillip into Rivers a good time. In the playoffs many times, AFC championship games, just couldn't get over the hump. They were very, very good quarterbacks in this league and arguably Hall of Famers. And so I think Tua can get to that point. And if you think about it, sure, like Matt Ryan, obviously, when he was in his prime with Atlanta, not saying he's not in his prime, you know what I mean? When he was in his prime with Atlanta, that offense had Roddy White, Julio Jones, like they had weapons. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, those are some weapons. Those are some dudes. And I'd say Miami's defense is better than what Matt Ryan had in Atlanta. And then you look at the Phillip Rivers comparison. I think the weapons that that Matua has, I think, are better than what Phillip Rivers had. And that defense is better than what Phillip yeah. Rivers had. Ty- Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Damian Tomlinson, Keenan Allen. That's fair. That's like, fair. I, you got to be careful about it. That's disrespectful. I, I understand that. I apologize. But, um, but to your a, point, I think it's about health with Tua. He has to stay healthy. With getting Teron Armstead is a big part of that, right? That's a huge addition on the offensive yeah. line. Keeping him upright is going to be a big part of how they how they do that. And like I said, they, they did they addressed it in the offseason. They were not playing. They went out and got the Connor Williams and the Teron Armstead and said, hey, we are going to spend money to protect our franchise quarterback. And if he can't make it work with this, then he's not the guy. Do you where where do you think Tua lands in terms of pass attempts this year? That might be an oddball, like just out of the blue type of question. But uh, where throw, do you think he'll he'll throw he'll throw 540, 550 passes? Okay. I think, All right. I think he'll throw a lot more this year because they don't really have a running game like that. I think they'll get the backs involved. I think about 540. That's right about average. That's that, that that's more than what Aaron Rodgers threw this year. So he would be he would be right at number twelve in terms of pass attempts if he were to to get around that area. So that's that, that's a good that's a good year for for Tua if he's doing that and he's productive. I mean that could be a really good year for the Miami Dolphins as a whole, uh, battling for a playoff spot um, potentially. On the defensive side of the ball, though, last season we saw this team really pick it up towards the back half of the season, and this is kind of where. You think it may be disrespectful to Tua. I think it's more on the defense and the teams that they played. The Miami Dolphins really kicked it into gear last year when it came to the defense and dominated teams towards the back half during that win streak. This year, they bring back just about the same group. I don't really think there's that many new additions. We talked about Trey Flowers coming in today, um, but there's there's not that they didn't really lose much, I should say, in the offseason. They were able to bring back Ogba, which is a huge thing. Um much of the same, I think, this year for the Miami Dolphins. How good can they be this year in 2022, Aaron? Oh, they could be a top five to seven defense, I think. I think they have the talent to do that. When you have a secondary like that, you can lock teams down. And and in today's NFL, with the with the ability to throw the football the way teams can throw the football, if you got guys that can cover in secondary, you're going to be okay. They were, again, middle of the road last year um, from a total defense perspective. But that was they, them struggling early on and having some injuries, mind you. Uh, Byron Jones missed some time. Uh, they had some defense players miss some time early, but they got better and better. And as they were getting to the end of the season, they were moving up and mu- up, and they got into that top 15 um, towards the end of the season. If they had played like that all year, they would have easily been a top five to seven defense. I, I really, really like this defense. I think it's one of the more underrated defenses in the NFL. I, I, you're not going to get any arguments from me on that. Like I said, I, when you, 
we talked about it before, like my disrespect to Tua, it was really more of a respect and giving a lot of the credit to the Miami Dolphins defense last year. They were very good. Um, you have one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and Xavier Howard. I think that they, I like Jalen Phillips. I think he takes another step in the right direction in terms of the pass rush. You brought up Javon Holland. He's this team also one of the highest blitzing teams in the league. And I think that, that really like that that's helpful with this team. I'm very interested. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe get your insights on this. What is Brian Flores not being there due to this defense? Is, is there any changes or like, do you think that, that matters at all this season for that defense? Um, I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I do think, uh, I, I do think a little bit, but they have the same defensive coordinator. It's not like they changed okay. the defensive coordinator this year. Um, he's been there a few years, Josh Boyer, and he's uh, obviously he worked under um, Brian Flores. So I, I think there's a little bit of familiarity there still, but I think you have a, you have a point in the fact that I think Brian Flores was a different type of motivator on defense. And I think players respected him. Um, and I'm sure he had some input in, on that defense because that's what he, his specialty was. But I'm not too concerned just because if it had been a whole new staff, a whole new coordinator, then I think that might be a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think that it's a little bit more that we may see a little bit of see a little bit less blitzing from them. I feel like Brian Flores was the key component to like why they blitzed so much last year. And that may be completely wrong to say, Um but I, I do. I do working. I don't. I don't see why. Yeah, that 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 too, though. And I mean, this defense has a lot of talent on it. So I, I definitely see them going, continuing going in the right direction here. Um, when it comes to what to watch for with this team, though, it's Tua. It's simple as that. Like I don't want. I'm sorry to give like the easy answer here. Maybe you have a better answer for what to watch for. Uh, but but it's Tua's development. It's what Tua does in this like. Like you said when you were talking about the offense, they have now given him all of the pieces to be successful. This is the year you go out and prove that you were rightfully so the the right quarterback to pick for the Miami Dolphins. You are not an injury-prone quarterback. You are the guy. And because, again, you have the weapons there. There are no excuses for you right now. This is your time. That's that's the only thing you uh, maybe not the only thing, but that's the number one thing to watch for with Miami Dolphins. No, what do you what is it? It's the running game, and the reason it's the running game is because I don't care how good you are as a quarterback. If you don't find a way to run the football or at least attempt to run the football, you're going to have struggles. We we talk about it with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs that if they don't run turn around and hand the ball off a little bit, then it's hard to, to be successful. And let's be honest, Tua is not Patrick Mahomes. So Tua's success is completely tied into the running game with me because I think he's so effective in play action. And with those weapons of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill's ability to separate off of defenders, giving them time to get down the field or create that separation, they will be, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care what people think, if they find a way to run the football, whether it's Chase Edmonds, or it's a three-headed, four-headed monster between Miles Gaskin, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, and Chase Edmonds. If they find a way to run the ball effectively, this offense will be unstoppable. And I am dead ass serious about that. Unstoppable. With Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, there is no defense in the NFL that is going to be able to contain that speed and be able to stop Cedric Wilson over the middle and Mike Gesicki over the middle. It is going to be an absolute nightmare for defenses. But if 
teams don't have to worry about the run game and can stop the run game with their front four and their two or three linebackers, then they don't have to worry about anything and they can sit back in their coverage the way they want to. And then it kind of eliminates the threat of a play action pass. Your defense is not biting up. There's no threat of it there. But to me, it's so important for the Dolphins to establish a run game. If I'm the Dolphins, week one against New England, I come out and I probably run the ball 35 times just to successful or not, just to show them we are going to run the football and get teams to buy in, man. This team is going to try to run the football. And maybe they don't because they're scared of the outside, but eventually those guys will start popping off big runs and teams will have to respect it. And that's when I think two is going to be at his deadliest. If you ask Tua just to drop back and throw 45 to 50 times a game, excuse me. <laughs> I have really bad heartburn right now. Um, All good. If you ask him to do that, he's going to struggle like every other quarterback in the NFL because he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. If you ask him to throw the ball 45 to 40 to 45 times, I don't want to hear, well, two is not good enough. Two is not. Yeah. Not many quarterbacks are to do that. So you have to give him a running game. And again, it doesn't have to be super, super successful, but they have to run the football. And I think to me, that's what I'm watching for. They can't give up. They, they got to get some yards. Like, like they have to continue to run the football. Otherwise, um, getting all those nice, pretty shiny toys that they have does them no good. Won't mean a damn thing. It will not mean a damn thing. Uh, you, We talked about Tua, talked about Tyreek Hill, talked about possibly records. Let's get into our prop bets for the Miami Dolphins, which it's not here. You know, Streamer just loves to do this to me. It's, it's actually not here. Um, but the Miami Dolphins prop bets – over, under, or it's over, boom, over nine and a half wins for the Miami Dolphins at plus 100, over 25 and a half to a passing touchdowns at plus 105, and over eight and a half Tyreek Hill receiving touchdowns is at plus 100. It's been three years since Tyreek Hill was below uh, seven touchdown passes, or touchdown receptions, I should say. Um, so, Aaron, what's your locked and loaded Dolphins bet? Those are all really tough. Um, uh, I I got the hard stuff. Got the hard stuff. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say over on Tua's touchdown passes. Okay. All right. I think Tua okay. gets to 26 this year. He hasn't even thrown for 20 pass touchdown passes in a, in a. Yeah. Well, he hasn't played a full season. So that's fair. I mean, that's not, I'm not looking at that. Like, okay. Um, Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to take the over on two of touchdown passes. I think they throw the ball significantly more than they have in the past. Um, And and I think with, I think with the weapons of Tyree kill being added to that room, uh, nice red zone threats there with, with Cedric Wilson and with Mike Kosicki to go along with Tyree kill, who despite his size is a deadly red zone threat. Um, what just why he doesn't have you know four touchdowns a year three touchdowns a year he's usually around seven and sometimes it's 12 whatever it yeah. is um and then Jalen Waddle had six last year you know of his own so I think I think Tua can I think Tua can get it done I think Tyreek could probably get close to 10 this year but I don't know if they could be split up more maybe you get eight from him seven from Waddle 
five from Gasicki, you know, three from Cedric Wilson, a couple of You got a touchdown. You got a touchdown. You got a touchdown. Well, I mean, that's how it usually is. Those guys that are throwing 45 touchdowns, they're not throwing them all. You know, Aaron Rodgers throws 40 touchdowns. They're not throwing them all to Devontae Adams, right? Yeah, so, no. Well, um, well, that might be a bad that might be a bad example. Why? Aaron Rodgers does throw everything to Devontae Adams. If yeah, Aaron Rodgers throws 40 touchdowns, Devontae Adams only has 13. 35. 35. Okay. And, and Devontae 30. Adams only has 35. No, I'm saying I'm saying if he throws 40 plus touchdown passes, 35 of them are going to Devontae Adams. It's I'm just kidding. Hey, yeah, well, obviously, because Devontae Adams has never had 35 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just um, saying these quarterbacks are not just throwing to one guy. So yeah. Uh, especially around the red zone. I, I think I think the over on two is where I'm at. I think that I think again, this is interesting that you didn't pick the over on the win totals. It was over nine and a half wins at plus one hundred. We're gonna get into your get your record prediction in just a few moments. So why is that weird? We'll, we'll hear your record prediction and then go from there. Schedule for the Miami Dolphins. Aaron, what is the storyline inside the Dolphins schedule? Is it the Christmas game? No, I mean, that Christmas game does. I mean, it's Green Bay. They'll probably it, it's at home. They'll probably win that game, to be honest. Um, I think that I think that's the, it's the hot start this year instead of the, the slow start. Um, they've had years where they've started really, really slow and then they try to come back. And it's six, seven, eight weeks in a row that they're playing really well. They can't do that this year. They have to get out of the gate fast. They get a division opponent at home first week, and then you have a three-game stretch where it's tough. But if you can beat New England and then steal a game, one of those three, come back, beat the Jets, take, you know, Minnesota's probably a toss-up game, and then you get three winnable games in a row. So you could literally be looking at two, three, you could be six wins in the in that in that first group of nine games there, um, and I think six and three is a good start going down the stretch. That could be four winnable games in a row. I mean, Cleveland still without Deshaun Watson at that point, so it's Pittsburgh, Detroit. I just, I was, yeah, I just meant that first half of the seat schedule. That's all I. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. What I'm saying though, like, I mean, if you if you can squeak out one of those wins and you bounce back against Minnesota, like squeak out one of those wins against Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Find a way to beat the Jets, Minnesota, obviously. Then, like you said, they have those four games. Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, even Houston at week, in week 12. Oh, like those, are, those are your winnable games. Those are where you can really build a good record to kind of fight for playoff spot. And I think, I think to me, it really comes down to the, the loss, like that back half, the Los Angeles, Buffalo, Green Bay, New England, and even maybe the Jets. Well, I should say also even maybe New England. Um, but like going into the playoffs, like, you know, if, if you're battling for a playoff spot, those are the times, to, like the times you need to have those wins. Like, yeah, they get them every year. But they do, but they're not playing against those types of teams. No, they That's, do every year. Even, the, even when they play against good teams. The Miami Dolphins for like four years straight now have had really good ending to the season. I don't know who they played. But, last year last year so hold on let me let me take a look here so last year their last one two three four five six seven games you got the jets the panthers the giants the jets again the saints without with with ian book um the a banged up tennessee titans team and then new england like why do you make a caveat when you play when you say the schedule like i hate when people do that well, I'm just saying, no, what I'm saying, what I'm saying here is you look at the Dolphins back half of the schedule this year, the last seven games for them there. 
New York, New England, Green Bay. Like Green Bay's there. That's literally not. it's the Buffalo. same thing. Literally, no, if you not. take that. Literally, if you take the back half of that schedule, the only tough games on that stretch is the four games: the Niners, Chargers, Bills, Packers. The last, se- the last seven games last year for the Miami Dolphins, one, two, three, four, five games were five games were were easy type of games. And this them. year's four in a bye week. The last seven games for the Dolphins in this is not five easy ones. There's one, two, three easy ones. Maybe the Jets are a better team, and New England towards See, the end of the is, season. This is what we do. This you you can't just make up who's a better team all of a sudden this year. The Jets, the, the Jets. So, this year so are, are you putting so, last so, year? Come, had, go ahead. Come on, look at this. Green Bay. None of the teams last year in the final seven games of, were close to what Green Bay does. Okay. None of the teams last year are close to what Buffalo does. None of the teams last year are close to what Los Angeles does. Wait, 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 Los teams, An- wait, wait. Los Angeles, the team that didn't make the playoffs last year? Come on, man. Don't, you know that they're my, a good but team, That's though. my point is we are assuming these things are going to be happening. You can't do that. The Saints last year were basically a 49ers loss away from making the playoffs. And you, they blew out the Saints and we go – the caveat is, oh, well, they had Ian Book. Well, they you always expect, made the playoffs with Ian Book. You expect Los Angeles to be fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year, right? I have Los Angeles out of the playoffs again this year. But you have them fighting for a playoff spot. The, they the, were last year. But that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. They're going to be bad. At, like, look at the teams the Dolphins played last year towards the end of their schedule that were actually battling for a playoff spot. The Saints, the Titans, the Patriots twice. No, the Ravens, not the Patriots twice. Oh, I'm sorry, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Saints, the Titans, the Patriots. Four games. I would say, so I, I said the last seven games. Four you know, okay, so Baltimore, playoff spots. Baltimore was Baltimore fighting for a playoff. They they did yes. not have they did not have Lamar there. They were already what? No, they so were they, fighting for a playoff spot last year. They were six and three with that. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. They were fighting for a playoff spot towards four games at a seven. Eight. You said the last seven games. I did not include Baltimore. That's what oh my seven God. is New England. Tennessee, New Orleans, the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, and the Jets. That's the seven. We're constantly the moving five. the needle is what I'm saying. I'm and not – no, assuming, there is no moving the needle. We're teams are going there, to be good or bad. I that's, that's kind of what we're at right now. We're assuming that for every one of these teams, even the Dolphins, even the Chiefs, even the, the Lions, the Bears, the Broncos, we're all assuming that they're going to be good. So we're assuming these things. But you point, look at the last – My original the, point, though, Vinny – my original point was this is not the first time the Dolphins have done this. The Dolphins have done this year in and year out. They get off to slow starts and hot finishes. The year before, they did the same exact thing in 2020. Where they, at the end of the season, they beat the Patriots. They beat the Raiders late. They beat. They were close with the and Chiefs. I, they beat the Bengals. And that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's kind of. It's almost a build off of what you're saying. Your what to watch for your storyline with this schedule was their start. The re- because I've seen the finish every year. The, I don't think the finish is the same as what it's been, at least well, comparing it to last year, that finish is not going to be the same. And I'm telling you, it won't matter if they get off to a good start. Because if they start Agreed. six and three, then what is their schedule by the time they get to those games? If they start six and three through those first nine games and then go beat Cleveland and Houston, they're already eight and three. 
Now you only got to beat New England and the Jets. You don't even have to worry about the Niners, the Chargers, the Bills, and the Packers. That's, that's my fair. point. Like, that, I don't that, care and, what they and, do but at the end of the so season to me, I've seen it before. To me, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up for that purpose is because – and why I am watching for those games is because you, you're right. They are going to be – eight and three at that point before they get to those tough games. And then they could win those last two games against New England and the Jets and easily be 10 and seven by the end of the season. I'm highlighting those games to see, to really gauge where the dolphins are at as we get close to the playoffs there with those games against New England or uh, green Bay, Buffalo, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. That's what I'm. That's what I was getting at here. Well, they got to make I, the playoffs, and the only way they make the playoffs is that they get off to a hot start. Because I've seen the Dolphins every year since 2018. The I don't. Season I, they go on their run and they fall short of the playoffs because they I, started off 0 and 5 or 1 and 6. I don't have the. I think I have the Dolphins missing just missing the playoffs, and 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 we can go right into the record predictions here. Um, I still have the Dolphins at. What did I have them at? Here, let me see here. I have it. Okay, so I have the Dolphins at eight and nine, and I would be willing to change that to nine and eight, but they would still miss the playoffs. I have them at ten and seven, and I'll tell you if they miss the playoffs or not next week. Ooh, look at you! But where do they fall in our power rankings? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting because I have them falling number fourteen. If you think about it, I like the improvement. Of the Tennessee, or I'm sorry, of the Tennessee Titans, of the two attack of Iloa. I like the weapons they've added. And if you look at it on the surface level, you would think, hey, they're number 14. Seven teams from each conference make the playoffs. But that's not the way it works all the time because there's mm-hmm. AFC teams. As you can see, there's four just ahead of them right there. Three in the AFC West plus the Colts there. Yeah. Um, but I do like the improvements Miami has made. I think they have a good team. I think their running game is going to be the key. I just don't know if the running game gets to where it needs to be. And so, therefore, the Miami Dolphins are number 14 on our preseason power rankings. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again live tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube, breaking down more two te- two more teams. What two teams are on deck for tomorrow? Tomorrow's lineup. All right. Um, we're, we're getting close, guys. We only have uh, – looks like we only have six, five more games five to break games, down yeah. from week one. That we're breaking down their seasons tomorrow. We get the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles. So Ooh. get Dan Campbell, get to talk to the Eagles and uh, that defense and how it's supposed to be one of the better defenses in football. I'll tell you why it's not going to be one of the better defenses in football. And yeah, we'll get into that. Ooh, gonna be a great show. You are not going to want to miss a single second. And hey, you know what else you're not gonna want to miss? Aaron, actually, you do the honors. Tell them what they're not gonna want to miss. You never want to miss any of our content. We're dropping content daily. We have preseason recaps coming out. We got, you know, obviously our daily shows breaking down all the season previews. And then once the season starts, we go bananas. Again, weekly previews, fantasy shows, all the content you can ask for six days a week. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. where We got those special videos made. We got shorts clips for you on YouTube where you get our best heat, our hottest takes, uh, hard hitting Again, follow the Sac City Pod. Be sure to leave reviews, comments. We respond to comments. I'll interact with you in the chat. Um, you know, we do it big. And then join us every morning. Good morning, Sac City. Hashtag GMSC. There it is. Tomorrow, we got the Titan. Or no, not Titan. I don't want to. I just keep saying Because I said the Titans, too. Because yeah. Titans fans are on my brain because I'd be talking shit to them and they'd be wilding. 
tomorrow. Eagles and the Detroit Lions live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. How was that for some top tier NFL content? If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and hit that follow button before you go. And don't forget to check us out on your favorite social media platform at Sac City Pod. Welcome to the city.